good of you to drop by again. Welcome back to the gallery of curiosities. I remain, as always, your humble host, Osgood. You're lucky to have caught me. I was just out in the greenhouse doing some pruning. Things are growing so fast now that summer is here. But I came in to get a fresh pair of gloves and a bag of fertilizer. I say, you wouldn't happen to Eat organic, would you? One never can tell what is in the food these days. Oh, never mind. I need to take a little rest. Let's have a story. Our author this evening is Anne Stolinsky. She is the founder and owner of Gonza Games, an independent board and card game company. She is also a partner in Gemini Wordsmiths, a full-service copy editing and content creating company. We could use a little of that around here. You may learn more at gonzagames.com and geminiwordsmith.com. Several of her stories have been published in the last few years. It'll be read for us by Miss Karen Bovenmeyer, a teacher and mentor of students at Iowa State University. Miss Bovenmeyer has narrated for Cemetery Pond, Escape Pod, Far-Fetched Fables, Pseudopod, Silver Blade Magazine, Starship Sofa, Strange Horizons, and previously here at the gallery. Do visit her online at karenbovenmeyer.com. Dem Bones by Anne Stolinsky. Narrated by Karen Bovenmeyer. Careful with that coffin, boy. It has my son in it. Yes, ma'am. The porter returned to his task. The box was small. Its dimensions no more than two feet by two feet. And feather light. Its warm, honey-brown sides and bottom patched to prevent the ashes from within from spilling out. The porter, a superstitious man handled the coffin carefully, but sped through boarding the train, wanting to be done with his task of placing it in her train compartment. The elderly woman paused to place a stray gray hair back into its bun. Her wrinkled hands, speckled with prominent age spots, pulled her shawl closer around her shoulders. Her patched dress, once as brilliantly yellow as sunshine, was faded and threadbare from years of wear. With difficulty, she reached her withered hands to the railing to steady herself while boarding, but then her foot slipped off the top step. Falling forward, leaning backward, trying to recapture her balance, she felt a hand 
on her shoulder. A man, dressed in the familiar blue of a Union soldier, steadied her so she could continue her climb. Thank you, sir, she gasped as her free hand moved to her mouth. She whispered, You look like him. Leaning against the doorframe, she began, My son, my Elijah served at Gettysburg. Were you there? Ma'am, no, I wasn't. He tipped his hat. Mayhap we'll meet again on board. The porter looked behind him to ensure she was following down the aisle of the wood-paneled train car. The woman's shoes made scratching sounds on the bare floor. She reached the compartment just after the porter. The porter juggled the coffin to allow better access to the handle. Her body stiffened. Her hand reached out for the handle to the compartment as quickly as a viper's attack, and it opened before the porter could. Thank you, ma'am, for the assistance, the porter mumbled. You're not going to lose my son's remains for me, not after the long trek I've taken, she retorted. The porter motioned for her to enter. The compartment looked comfortable, with two bench seats upholstered in cream-colored fabric with small golden buttons. Cream-colored curtains with tassels adorned the room's two windows. A door on the wall above each bench opened to a small storage area. Want me to put this box in the storage, Miss Settler? No, thank you. I'll keep my boy with me. Put him on the seat. The porter carefully placed the coffin on the seat, bowed, and left. She sat on the bench opposite the coffin, dropping her hat and purse next to her. She gazed out the window for a few minutes, needing a respite. She reached into her purse, removing a bud from a lavender plant she had harvested before leaving home. The fragrant scent of the rest of the buds in her purse filled the compartment. She smiled, her thoughts returning to the day she harvested the plants, the day before she left on this journey to reclaim Elijah's ashes. She had walked around the side of her house, Sunrise reflected in the windows elicited a gasp from Johanna at the beauty. She marveled at how well her plants looked. Striding up and down the rows, she selected a bud of this, a twig of that. When her basket was full, she turned away from the garden and walked to the barn. She had placed the wicker basket carefully on the floor. She cleared the top of a table of its contents Moving horse feed and small spades, she placed butcher paper on the cleared tabletop, then began to pull twigs and buds out of the basket. The bud of one plant went to the top of the paper, the twig of another at the bottom. Each herb was placed in a specific order, none on top of the other, as few as possible touching the others. The herbs will be dry by the time I get home with Elijah. The train lurched, and she reached over to carefully place the coffin on her lap. Cradling it in her arms, she sobbed, something she'd not allowed herself to do since hearing of Elijah's death. She hadn't even cried in front of the soldiers who gave her his ashes. We're sorry for your loss, Miss Settler, but be proud of your boy. Elijah, he died fighting. He killed him five Johnny Rebs before he went down. 
The soldier's voice lowered slightly. A fire broke out right next to our position, ma'am. There ain't a lot left of him, but we gathered as much as we could. He hesitated, then spoke again. Elijah spoke of you, telling us how much he loved his ma. Eyes down, the soldier shuffled from one foot to the other. Here, ma'am. Here's Elijah's remains. She took the box from the soldier, bravely standing as straight as she could, and thanked him for bringing the coffin to her at the train station. The train ride from Revere, Massachusetts, to Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, was a long one, filled with anticipation. Now that she was on her way back home to Revere, she felt the loss of her son more poignantly. I'm going to take you home, Elijah. Home's where you belong. Your friend Perry is taking care of the farm while I'm gone. He misses you too. An overwhelming exhaustion filled her. She placed the coffin on the floor and curled up next to it. With her hand touching the warm wood, she slept. Thank you for picking me up at the train station, Perry. Johanna Settler waved the teenage son of her neighbor toward the table in the kitchen, indicating without words for him to place the coffin there. The coffin, while small, took up most of the tabletop. The honey-brown wood contrasted with the table's deep cherry color. Two chairs of the same cherry wood were pushed away from the table. You're welcome, Miss Settler. I'm going to miss Elijah, too. Pa said to tell you to let him know if you need anything. Perry walked to the door to leave. His hand on the knob. He turned back towards Johanna. Are they sure that's Elijah in that box? The soldiers were sure he's dead? Miss Settler nodded, grateful for his concern. I know you two were close, but yes, that's my boy in there. The teenager sniffed, holding back a sob, then left. Johanna sat, hands folded on her lap, thankful for the peace and quiet. Her journey to and from Gettysburg had been the most arduous trip of her life. Tears threatened to stream down her face. She clenched her jaw. Not gonna cry again. Not today. Not any day. Holding her head high, she walked to her bedroom. Sunlight warming her eyelashes woke Johanna the next morning. Shaking her body awake, she marveled that she slept. Having Elijah home again is good for me. The chickens screamed as she strode to the coop. She reached in and grabbed one, ignoring the blood dripping from her hand as it pecked at her. She placed the screaming chicken into a small cage, leaving it near the coop. She walked to the stable next. Brushing the chestnut-colored horses brought tears to her eyes. This had been Elijah's task. He loved the horses as much as he loved his ma. Satisfied her horses looked healthy and that her neighbors took good care of her farm while she was away, she hitched the horses to the buggy, picked up the chicken in the cage, and rode off. The familiar dusty road gave her a sense of comfort after the long journey through unfamiliar ground. Her shoulders relaxed, and she smiled. 
Unraveling her bun, she laughed as the breeze blew her hair in front of her face, forming gray waves. She stopped at her neighbor's farm to give them a thank you present of the chicken before going to town for supplies. A sharp yelp greeted her as she brought her supplies into the kitchen. Watch it, dog. If you don't want to get stepped on, then don't get under my feet. She put the wicker basket on the table in the dining area. The farm was a good size, about thirty acres, but the house was small. Still, she reflected, it was good enough for her and her husband, God rest his soul, to have loved and lost each other. He died when Elijah was just a babe. It was a good enough size for her to have raised her son on her own, without having to depend on anyone. Elijah was a good boy, helped his ma whenever I asked, and even when I didn't ask. He took it on himself to do. Tears formed, but did not fall. Her footsteps sounded loudly on the wood floor as she carried a few of the items from the basket into the kitchen. Johanna bent down to place her cheek against the coffin. Tomorrow's the day, Elijah. Be patient. We'll get you buried tomorrow. Your ma promises. The next morning... Johanna woke before the rooster to a dark sky. She paused to put on a light shawl before going outside. Standing near the house, she surveyed her land. Can't bury him over here, not next to the garden. Turning it from north to east, south to west, her vision was filled with hay, golden stalks waving in the light breeze. A small area close to the barn was bare. That's where I'll bury my son near the barn with the horses he loved, and the hay he'd put in his mouth and chew while working. Her shovel kicked up a fine spray of silt as it struck into the dirt. Plunging the shovel in again and again, she dug a hole big enough to hold the coffin. Small pebbles of powdery soil rolled down the pile that grew next to the hole with each plunge. She stopped digging to wipe the sweat from her forehead. Silt mixed with sweat formed a muddy line across her brow. She coughed, unable to get the taste of the silt and mud out of her mouth. Johanna dug again, making the hole larger than the box she would be placing in its depths. Gotta give it some room to grow, she muttered to herself. Finally satisfied with the size of the grave, she returned to the house. Washing her hands in the kitchen sink, she looked at the box on the table. Don't want to dirty your coffin, son. She took the butcher paper she bought at the store and went outside to the grave again. The sun was just rising, presenting her with a sky filled with blues, pinks, and oranges. Johanna took this beauty as a positive sign from above. She said a silent prayer of thanks, then returned to her task. Bending, she lost her balance and ended up sitting on the dusty ground. Turning to Neil, she carefully placed the butcher paper into the hole. She smoothed out the brown paper, leaving no creases, ensuring the entire floor of the tomb was covered. She stared at the sides of the grave. Don't think I need to cover the sides, too. Johanna grabbed the shovel, then planted the scoop end in the dirt. Her hands slowly moved up the handle, her body and feet moving with the upward progress. She'd done more work today than normal, and it was still early. 
Her feet ached, and her hands, even though calloused, were sore and bleeding. She kept focused on the task, unwilling to allow the frailties of her body to sway her from burying her son. Her back threatened to cripple her as she walked to the barn. She squatted down in front of the herb-covered table. Her fingers blindly searched for a latch under the table. She found the latch and pushed. A hidden drawer opened slowly, groaning as it slid. Johanna made a mental note to oil the drawer next chance she got. She removed a small ceramic mortar and pestle from its resting place at the back of the drawer. She began to stand, then lost her balance again when a stabbing pain shot through her back. The table tottered as she bumped against it. Wrinkled hands reached out to steady the table before her precious herbs could fall. She crawled to the wall of the barn, using it to help her upright. The chickens and the rest of the farm were up and making noise. Johanna's attention was fixed on her task, ignoring the cause and clucks and moos. The animals would wait. She had more important things to attend to right now. Gnarled fingers picked up the mortar and pestle. She sniffed the pestle. The pungent smell brought back memories of the last time it was used. Johanna and her husband Aaron tried for years to have children, with no success. They were both growing older. Joanna's desire to bear a child was too strong for her to deny. Using some of her herbs and this mortar and pestle, she prepared a mixture that she placed into her body, in the place that only her husband had ever touched. Within days, she was pregnant with Elijah. Her husband was ecstatic, praising God for her pregnancy. Johanna knew the truth. She never shared her secret with Aaron. He wouldn't have understood. Johanna and Aaron lived in Revere, Massachusetts, about an equal distance from Boston and Salem. Even though two centuries had passed since the fears of Salem, people still had a distrust of things they didn't understand. Had he known her secrets, Aaron may have declared her a witch. Johanna carefully picked up one of the dried buds. Bits of the buds and twigs fell from her fingers as she twisted each one by one. Reds, greens, purples, browns. The colors of the plants gave the mixture a brilliant rainbow effect. Johanna ground each bit until the mortar contained nothing but a fine powder. Each plant grain retained its color. The powder's colors were still as brilliant as when the bits were on the plants. Her fingers, hurt and bloody from digging, now felt light as she lovingly mixed the powder. Johanna covered the mortar with a small piece of butcher paper and carried it to Elijah's grave. She stood straight and tall, the memory of the pains of her body erased. Holding the mortar in both hands, she lifted it toward the blue, cloudless sky. A tune came unbidden from her lips, with words that had been passed down in her family from generation to generation. Her face tilted toward the sun. Her eyes shone. Her song finished, she placed the mortar on the ground, then gathered her dress about her and knelt. She dipped her fingers into the vessel and sprinkled the mortar's contents into the freshly dug grave. 
When she was finished, no sign of the paper remained. It was covered with fine powder. Though exhausted, she felt like skipping as she made her way to the kitchen. She carefully picked up the coffin and carried it lovingly to the grave. The box fit in the hole perfectly. Picking up the shovel, she refilled the hole. She poured water onto the grave, singing to it, Slumber on, baby dear. A tune she had sung many times to her son as a baby. Johanna watered the site every day before starting her chores. After a few days, sprouts appeared, their green shoots poking up from the middle of the plot. Each day she watered and watched the sprouts grow. Three weeks later, Johanna awoke, grabbed the watering can, then walked outside to water the sprouts. To her delight, the sprouts had formed into a sapling. She danced around the newly formed young tree, humming. After two months, the tree was fully grown. Johanna marveled at the strong limbs and stout trunk. The tree stood five feet tall, with branches spreading out ten feet wide. The leaves, a wondrous sight of reds, greens, purples, and browns, dazzled in the sunshine. Each day, Johanna continued to water the tree, singing as she worked. She plucked the first growth from the tree with little problem. It was on the bottom branch, within her outstretched arm's reach. She twisted the green leaf that held the growth on the tree, releasing the small bone into her hand. Probably belongs to his hand or foot. The woman danced again, danced and sang the songs of her ancestors. She placed the bone into a small box in the barn, similar in size to the coffin buried underneath the tree. The first one, first one, not the last one, she sang aloud. Weeks later, Johanna brought a ladder out to the tree from the barn. She needed assistance to reach the branch closest to the top. The ladder tottered as Johanna's arm stretched as far as it could. Her fingertips lightly brushed the branch, but couldn't get a firm grasp. She clambered down the ladder, moved it a few feet to the left, and remounted. Better. Holding the branch carefully with her left hand, she used her right to pluck the skull from the purple leaf. Johanna sighed as she climbed down. A contented, yet anxious sigh. She peered into the sockets where the eyes should have been. Soon will be again. With one finger, she traced the curve of the eye sockets, the jawbone, the nose. Harvesting the skull had rendered the tree bare. The next step will begin tomorrow. Bones lined the floor of the barn like a gigantic jigsaw puzzle. Johanna frowned as she realized she had placed the leg bones where the arm bones should be. Removing them required grace and a light step. Finally satisfied the skeleton was accurate, she stepped back. Only a few more tasks to complete. Johanna returned to the house, lifted her rifle, and checked to make sure it was loaded. 
Back in the barn, she aimed the sight on the left shin bone. The rifle recoiled as she shot one bullet into the skeleton. Bone fragments sprayed away from the semi-shattered leg. I'm sorry, Elijah, but I had to do it this way. I'll be telling folks you were found in a hospital with a leg shattered, not dead. It's the only way to explain how you come back. She hurried to make final preparations. Her fingers again found the latch under the table, releasing the hidden drawer. Reds, greens, purples, browns still filled the mortar. Johanna sprinkled the remaining fine powder over the skeleton. Bits of color rained down on the stark white bones spread out on the barn floor. The mortar emptied. Johanna scrutinized the skeleton before her, ensuring all was covered. Smiling, she sang all the songs of her youth, the songs she sang to Elijah when he was young, the songs of her ancestors, all the songs of her soul. She sang until the sun began its trek downward. She sang until exhausted when she lay down and slept. She woke with the rising sun next to her slept Elijah. Johanna's heart overflowed with love. Only a mother can love this much. Her son lay naked, his left leg scarred, showing evidence of a healed bullet wound. Her fingers tentatively reached out to touch this miracle, but she withdrew them before she made contact. She wanted him to sleep, not to wake up until she was ready. Johanna ran to the house to get the clothes for her son. My boy is home, she sang. My son is home. A good story for some of that one, I think. Imagine what an exhibit that would be if I could coax one of my orchids into growing a skull rather than a bloom. Or even a bloom shaped like a skull. Anyway, it would be best for you to go now, I suppose. I must get back to my greenhouse. Some of my plants have strange appetites. And my liability insurance will not cover any of my guests who choose to visit the greenhouse. So that won't do at all. Do come visit us next time at the Gallery of Curiosities. Gallery of Curiosities is produced under a Creative Commons International 4.0 Non-Commercial Attribution No Derivatives License. Don't sell it, change it, or make a transcript. You can help this program grow by feeding us stars and reviews on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts. Our theme song is Ashes Ashes by Deus Ex Vapora Machina. This episode was produced in July of 2018. For full show notes, visit us on the web at gallerycurious.com.
but no Easter egg.